Well, we are going to continue uh, where we left off, I think, about four or five Sundays ago. Uh, as, we, as we prepare our hearts and our minds individually and as a body to keep growing and making Jesus Christ our first love, uh, to keep growing and individually and corporately and encouraging one another so that he's really our focus, that there's a real growing love relationship. But we would we would actually determine with God. And I and I hope you're praying this. I trust actually I'm confident most of you are. And uh, and if you're not, then I would encourage and challenge that you and I do this, that we would actually talk and agree with God. Father, I want 2021 to be a year where I grow closer to you, deeper in love with you, more obedient, more faithful, more aware than I've ever been before. And not to impress people, but because it's our design, it's our calling. We're, we're now equipped for this. One of the things that I, I see frequently for, for us as believers is not sliding into a mindset of duty and obligation that somehow God said, okay, it's your job, be in the word. It's your job, pray. It's your job, witness. That, that we would comprehend the incredible privilege of we've, we've now been invited to participate in. And that it would change our thinking so that now we're also confident that everything I'm called to, everything I'm privileged and offered as a son or daughter of God, that I'm also growing in my confidence that Jesus Christ is literally my power to grow in that calling. So our, our sermon title this morning is the 24-7 conversation. And, uh, and I'm still going with that title, but as a, as a working title, I would add to it something that we recognize this, that at all points we are growing in the 24-7 conversation with God. So I want us to look at several things today, and, and most of what we look at today, I expect to be very familiar. But as always, I'm hoping and praying that what God does is that he strengthens a mindset for us out of the things we're already familiar with, so, so that we're clear about it. Uh, in fact, I'll, oh, I'll come back to that later. Uh, if you would look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, passage that most of you are very familiar with, uh, we touched on it a few weeks ago, but I want to build on it today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And in verse 16, 17, and 18, Paul speaks this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And, and those teachings are embedded in, in a larger, obviously, package of teachings. But I want to capture a few words, again, that we're going to build on. So rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks 
in everything. And so, again, we're familiar with this, but the part of what God is wanting us to capture a vision of and, and actually grow in is that we would more intentionally and more joyfully go through the day in an unbroken conversation with him. And um, I believe God's been nourishing that in me for decades, but I promise you, I am nowhere near done growing in this. That there is, there are still major chunks of my day sometimes when I can leave God out of my thinking. And I'm, I don't mean going off to do some sin, just leave him out of my thinking. Just leave him off to the side. And even if I come back frequently, uh, and I'm being facetious here because I don't know how, uh, how graciously he would respond to that. That when we, when we turn back to him, oh, it's been an hour since I even talked to you. It's been three hours since I talked to you. It's been eight hours since I even thought about you. For us to recognize the welcome back is always perfect. The welcome back is always perfect. So there will never be a point where God says, you know what, you've been gone so long. I'm a little perturbed. Why don't you just stay away for a little longer? Humans do that. Oh, you haven't called me in days. I'm not sure I want to talk to you right now. This is a father. This is a savior. This is a lover of our being and soul who, because of the grace accomplished for us through his son's death, literally because of that death, can now say, already forgiven, come on back. Already forgiven, welcome home. And that you and I, and we'll come back to that mindset of God's welcome, that you and I would never allow the enemy an excuse why we're going to avoid God for a while. Because we're thinking he wants to avoid us for a while. Or actually for any reason. But this pray without ceasing, rejoice always, give thanks in everything, God is actually calling you and I. So I would encourage you, this is, and that's why I put this word up there. This is about growing, not guilt or condemnation. But I'm going to ask you to do a moment of, of assessment right now. And just sort of imagine a typical day. Now, there's a possibility that the last week has put you into prayer a whole lot more than normal. But try to picture sort of a normal week and a normal day. And envision how many minutes, how many hours could go by where I just, maybe peacefully, maybe with a little language, but one way or another, I just go about my day without turning to him. I just go about my day without rejoicing. I go about the next activity without gratitude. I go into the next challenge or the next problem to be dealt with or whatever, and I and I go in with reg power and reg wisdom and reg resources, or you put your name there. It would be weird if you're trying to do that with reg stuff. <laughs> but that you're recognizing how much of my day, how much of my thought life is just separate unnecessarily separate because that gap is our opportunity for growth again not for condemnation there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus at no point now will God be pointing out that gap to us so we can be ashamed and hide from him again 
That's what Adam and Eve did with their sin. That when, when in Genesis 2, when God showed up in the garden to be with Adam and Eve, comes in the cool of the evening to be with them, and they hid from him. For the first time in their entire lives, we don't know how long that had been, but for the first time ever, they hid from him in shame and fear. How horrible that is. And now because you are seated in Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, please envision this while I'm saying these words. This is out of Ephesians 2. Out of his great love with which he has loved you, he has made you alive and raised you up and seated you in Christ at the Father's right hand. You, in Christ, you cannot be out of his presence. You can think and act like you're not in his presence, but that welcome and that place of welcome is secured by his death. And so now you and I get to take advantage of that in a way that Adam and Eve failed to. I, I know we've talked about this before. I can't imagine how that day might have gone different if Adam and Eve had gone running to the Father and, and collapsed at his feet and confessed their sin and asked for forgiveness right, right off the bat. We still would have needed a Savior. But, but the history of mankind might have been different from the very foundations if they hadn't hidden from him but run to him. But that fear and that shame meant they saw now God as a threat. And in 1 John 4, when, when God says perfect love casts out fear, because fear is about punishment. So that when I recognize the gap between where I am and where God wants me to be in any area, that you and I get to rejoice in this. And I hope this is more and more an actual part of my conversation and your conversation with God. That when we're aware of that gap, that we would immediately go back to some of this thanks and everything, go, Father, thank you that Jesus has accomplished something that means this gap can't keep me from you. It's real and I want to grow. But this gap has no power to keep me from you which is why the enemy is a deceiver and a liar. The enemy will say, that gap means God doesn't want to see you right now. That gap means you're not qualified. That, that gap means you do not measure up as one of the people welcome in his presence. All of those things will be lies and that you and I will recognize this is a father who, because he so treasures the death of his son, and I think, I think I'm, I'm still in kindergarten and learning this, God the Father treasures and honors the death of his son. So when I come to him with faith in the death of his son, the Father loves that I'm honoring that death with him. And that's my welcome. That's my doorway, literally, that Jesus' death is the doorway for my welcome. So as, as we look at this, Always, without ceasing, in everything. I want to look at, at a couple of other passages that sort of give that same mindset. If you go to Psalm 16, verse 8. 
four. That's a one. Okay, Psalm 16.8. I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So David is now making a choice, and this is a choice that you and I have power and authority to make. I think of all the Old Testament sayings, David is, is one of the handful that, that more than most got the covenant relationship of love with God. That the Psalms are full of David's understanding that this God loves me. This God treasures me. And now I get to respond to that with powerful and effective choices. And so one of the things David is saying is, I've made this choice that I'm going to set God continually before me. So I don't want to visit him for two hours on Sunday morning. I don't want to even just visit him for a half hour or, or one hour quiet time every morning. I want this God continually before me while I go through my day, while I do my work, while I play, while I visit with friends, while I struggle with a challenge, while I face the enemy and temptation, that I'm learning more and more. Father, Father, seriously, let's make Jesus Christ the center of my vision. And that God loves that. He says, I love it when my sons and daughters honor my only begotten son, and make him the focus. And, well, we'll see this. So what David is saying is, I've set that continuum. Now, one of the things that I think I hear frequently, well, not I think I hear, I know I hear, is that I hear Christians frequently pray, God, make this happen. Make Jesus my focus. And I believe that's a good-hearted prayer, but it's an incomplete prayer. Because as soon as I'm saying, Father, make Jesus the, the focus of my vision through my day, that God will go, and what are you going to choose? So that I have an opening to do that. Because what David is saying is, I choose to set him as my focus. I choose that. And we'll look over the next couple of weeks at a multitude of ways that we can do that. But David is exercising the power and the authority that God has granted him to be an active participant in this process. And you and I get to say the same thing. Father, my heart's desire is that you would help me make Jesus Christ the focus of my thinking through my day. Not just in bits and pieces, but more and more continually that it changes the way I think through my day. And, Father, here's some things you've shown me that I'm going to start doing to put Jesus in that place of focus. So again, we'll get some of those tactics, but David is saying he made a choice. I said. Now go to 25.15. I can turn the tiny thin pages of this Bible. In 2515, similar mindset. My eyes are continually toward the Lord. So again, I said it, and now it's my vision. My eyes are continuously set on him. And then there's an outcome. 
he will pluck my feet out of the net. So while I'm making him my vision, the focus of my vision, he's accomplishing my deliverance from the enemy. Now, how many people, I'll actually ask for a show of hands. How many people had some battle with Satan over the past week? <laughs> tempted you on an attitude, tempted you in your language, tempted you in how you treated somebody, tempted you in whether you trusted him or felt like you were abandoned, tempted you in some way. And what God is saying through David is, you know, when you're, when you're going to face the enemy, because it's going to be every day. The more you have made me the focus of your vision, the better prepared you are in a multitude of ways so that I can be your deliverance from the enemy. This isn't magic. This is a relationship. I saw a movie years and years and years ago, um, and I think it was called My Bodyguard. And it was a little kid in high school, I think, junior high or high school, and he was a wimp. And other, other kids would bully him. And a new kid came to school, big, strong, silent hulk of a guy. And he, he somehow enlisted that big guy to be his bodyguard. And obviously because it's a movie, they ended up becoming good buddies and friends and other happy endings. But it was interesting because now people looked at who he was hanging with and were less likely to bully him. And when they did bully him, his bodyguard stepped in. It's a movie. This is real. This is real. You and I have no strength against the enemy on our own. You know that. And it would be foolish for us to think so. But we get to very wisely recognize but I know a living God, I know a reigning Father, I know a triumphant Jesus Christ who disarmed the rulers of darkness at his death, literally took away their power and authority against me at his death. That's Colossians 2. And you and I get to agree with that and say, Father, when I face the enemy, I want to remember the triumphant disarming of the enemy that Jesus, your son, accomplished for me. And Jesus, in that battle, I want to hide behind you and let you be my strength, my power, and my deliverance. I choose you as my bodyguard against the enemy. I choose you to rescue me. And, and as we've talked about in a variety of situations, God loves it when we choose him. And there are plenty of times, I don't know if you've done this, but there are plenty of times when, when I'm praying about that choice and I recognize, Father, while I'm saying I choose you, I barely understand what I'm choosing. But fortunately, you're smart enough to know what this choice should accomplish. So not only do I choose you, I'm choosing your wisdom to know how to give power and effectiveness to my choice. I choose you. I don't just choose my understanding of you. I choose a living God who shows up with the knowledge and the wisdom and the power and the authority to accomplish all the mystery behind what I'm choosing that I'm not even smart enough to know. This is reassurance for us to know that he's wiser than us, even when we choose him. 
Go to 34 1. Psalm 34 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And again, this means I'm building along with this vision, along with this choice to set him as the focus. In order to be praising God at all times, I have to be recognizing his hand in things. In order to bless him, I have to recognize his faithfulness. So um, I feel like, very seriously, I feel like over the past four days, I have thanked my two brothers and my brother-in-law and my Brenda Kingdom. I feel like I have thanked them continuously <laughs> over the past several days. Because we literally could not have accomplished Aaron's wedding without their help. They just stepped in, they saw what needed to be done, they took care of things. When we woke up Monday morning, expecting that sometime later that day people would be arriving at our house because the caterer and the venue had canceled, and, <clears throat> and I looked out the window and there was about six inches of snow. And we got about a hundred foot driveway and Kara just told me, you're not getting out to shovel that uh, because of just my physical situation. And I was like, well, I think I should. <laughs> I should at least start. And here's what I was envisioning. I was envisioning scooping one little narrow tire track and next to it, another little tire track. But if I could just get two tire tracks coming down our driveway, that would be enough. And then I got a text from my brother Ron saying, we're at Home Depot, we're getting those shovels, we'll be there in a little bit. And like I already said, they, they worked for three and a half hours to get that whole thing shoveled. I didn't have to ask. They saw the need, they stepped in, they took care of it. I, I'm still humbled by that. But that's just one example. That entire day, our living room became a wedding venue. Uh, on and on, just the details of how they helped make things happen and Ron agreeing to, to perform the wedding. Um, I'll tell this little story. Was, well, I'll just tell this one. Um, has anybody here ever seen The Princess Bride? Mm -hmm. Oh, actually, I'll take quite a few people. Maui! Remember that quote? Okay. That's how Ron started the ceremony. He quoted that whole thing at the beginning. And I was sort of like, uh, Ron? You know, to myself. Then I found out later that Aaron and David had asked him to do this. Because they're both nerds and geeks and, and they absolutely wanted that in their ceremony. But that recognition that Ron stepped in and rose to the occasion followed through on their requests. Then when the power went out and everybody was going around helping light candles, et cetera, et cetera. And then we went to hamburgers and fish patties and several people went into the kitchen to help Carrie get those things ready. And it was a wedding, in my opinion, more blessed, more loving and more honored than if those professional caterers had showed up to just serve stuff they've made in a distant kitchen. I happen to love hamburgers too. <laughs> it was a 
a moment where we got to see people loving and stepping in, and I've had to continuously thank her. And they're just human beings. Now, I believe they're human beings working in the hand and purposes of God. But now you and I get to pay attention, literally pay attention. So I bet we could have, we could probably have several hours, seriously, of praise right now. If, if I just went down every row and said, share something that God did to take care of you or give you reassurance or get you through this past crazy week. Or a way he worked through you to help someone else. Or the way he worked through someone else to help you. And I bet almost everybody in the room would have something to say. And if anybody didn't have something to say, it would just be because you hadn't noticed it. It wouldn't be because God was matching and so if, if we're going to continually bless and praise God, we get this mindset of this attention of, I want to notice the details of God's love in my life. I want to notice the details of his care and his affection. I want to notice it so that I can step back and say so. Go to 105. And he says this in verse 4, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually. And, and I like this, his face, this is personal, you know, and, and obviously this is an allegorical expression, a metaphor of seeking God's intimacy in his presence. And it's also why God gave us Jesus Christ to say, I want you to look at Jesus Christ because he is the full revelation of the Father. And Jesus said that to his disciples in John 14, where they just said, you know, one more thing, Jesus, before you head off into the wild blue yonder, could you just show us the Father? And that'll be good for us. And, and I can almost hear the hurt, actually, and the disappointment in Jesus' voice. When he says, have I been with you so long that you don't get this? The Father and I are one. I am the full and perfect revelation of the Father. Have you paid attention to my love? Were you there when I healed people? Were you there when I rescued a prostitute who would have been stoned to death, but I stepped in to forgive her? Were you there when I preached hard truth to the Pharisees? And somewhere out there on the edges of that crowd, some of those Pharisees are now believers. Were you there when I said, we're gonna to go to Jerusalem and I will be killed as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and then I will rise again. Have you been paying attention? I am the face of God. I am the full revelation of his character and his compassion and his mercy and his kindness. So we don't have to wish for the face of God. We get to go to the word of God and look into the life of Jesus Christ, look into the words and the heart and the personalness, the tenderness, even the strength and the hardness of Jesus at the right moments to recognize that's the God whose face I seek. Go to Hebrews 13. Ah. 
Verse 15, Hebrews 13, 15. Through him then, through Jesus, who's accomplished these eternal things for us, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So again, praise, thanks. And you probably noticed this, but Old Testament and New Testament, they all use this word, continually. So fitting with always and without ceasing and everything, Old Testament and New Testament, God is saying, please build a mindset of this. Don't be content with where you are. Know that you're forgiven where you are, but don't be content with where you are. Absolutely determine. This is something God wants of me, that I absolutely determine that I want my vision of him to fill more of my day. That I want my awareness of his love and his tenderness and the details of his care to catch more of my notice so that I turn to him in praise and actual gratitude. So that on and on, you and I, a year from now, that at the end of 2021, seriously, that you and I would look, look back and we would go, this was the best year of my life. Who knows what craziness is still going to happen. But this was the best year of my life, Father, in relationship with you. Because I saw you more. I envisioned you more. I sought your face more. I blessed you and praised you and thanked you more. I noticed you more. And again, not because I'm trying to impress someone else. Not because I'm trying to look religious. But because I happen to be in a love relationship with the God of the universe. And I better act like I know it. Sorry, I don't mean to yell, but every now and then I do. I hope I wasn't yelling too loud. Everybody on this row in the front row, you okay? I'll try to back up. <laughs> you gonna recover? But that recognition that this is important that the God of the universe and, and everything we're reading is about his longing to be in that love relationship with you, his desire to be in that conversation with you. This is what he wants. He's not saying, well, if you guys measure up, I'll put up with this conversation. Oh, fine, let's talk. That's not him. He's the one saying, please come be in this conversation. How are we doing on time? We're going to end with that. <laughs> but I'm going to give you some homework. And I, and I mean it. Because this is half the conversation. If it's a real conversation, all of this was only half. So here's your homework assignment. If, if you don't write it down, I'll trust that you'll remember it. If you're not sure you'll remember it, write it in. That this week, all of us would read Psalm 119. Now, Psalm 119 is, is 22 small vignettes about the Word of God. And he uses quite a few different words for the Word of God. 
his law, uh, his precepts, uh, his teachings, on and on. There's several words he uses. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do, to read Psalm 119 this week, but specifically to notice several things. What are the choices or the attitudes toward the Word of God that are being shown to me? Choices and attitudes toward the Word of God. And then also one other thing. What are the purposes you are? Or the, and the outcomes. If I pursue those choices and build those attitudes. So Psalm 119, choices and attitudes that I'm being called to, and then the purposes and the outcomes that God is, is predicting out of his faithfulness through that word that will be accomplished in my life. So please don't worry. I, I know I've said this before. I can remember at least once, but there were probably more times. I can remember getting a tummy ache and calling in, calling in sick. I didn't call anybody. I just told my mom. Um, because I realized, oh, I forgot to do my homework. <laughs> this is not that Sunday. Don't, not one of you fail to show up next week because you go, wow, I forgot to do my homework. I will not put you on the spot. I will not put you on the spot if you didn't do your homework. But this is for your nourishment. If you have a crazy week and you never get to it, show up anyway and then you can cheat. I will let you copy someone else's homework. But what I'm going to ask you to do is to really give thought and time as you're able through the week of reading through this psalm. Maybe read through it once and then read through it more slowly with your notebook and your pen to start capturing choices and attitudes and purposes and outcomes. And while you're doing this, be in the conversation. Don't do it like an intellectual pursuit. Don't do it like math homework. Do it like a conversation with a God who loves you and is telling you good stuff. Let's pray together. Father, you have a lot of good stuff to tell us. And every day you're eager to speak to us. Every day your heart is joyful. You're jumping up and down with excitement to tell me more of what I need to hear for the day. And your heart's longing is that I would be wise enough to come be in the conversation. Father, that we would give you praise, we would give you gratitude, we would give you thanks, we would focus on you, we would envision you, we would pay attention and notice you, but that we'd also grow in coming to listen to you, to let it be a dialogue instead of just our monologue. Thank you that this is your heart's desire to be in this conversation. You thought of this. We're just noticing it and asking for your help that we would respond to it with our own choices. Father, I pray that this would, would literally be a year of growth for every single one of us in this room. This would be a year when we genuinely grow in noticing you and focusing on you, listening to you, and then responding to you. 
that as your word says in James, that we would not simply be hearers of the word, but out hearing as true sons and daughters, we would become doers of the word. And that we would go in your word unafraid. Because everything we see that's beyond where we are, everything we see that shows us how far we have to go, wouldn't threaten us because we know we're forgiven. We know it. Your son's death was powerful and effective. And we agree with you on that. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus, who died for us. And thank you, Holy Spirit, who now comes to dwell in us, so to equip to grow in these things. And all of this we agree on together in Jesus' name and authority. Amen.